Well, happy Father's Day to all the dads in the house. And did you know that dads come in many shapes and sizes? I mean, in addition to the physicality of that, there's also, you know, stepdads and adoptive dads. And there's actually single moms who do the dad thing, you know, as part of what they do. And so for all the dads, we are so thankful. And um, I learned a long time ago that none of us have had perfect dads. A lot of us have had really good, good dads, and we're thankful for that. Uh, some of us have had uh, stress and strain uh, between us and our, our father for whatever reason. Some, like me, have known what's technically called father hunger. Maybe your dad was gone a lot, or uh, your family split up. Well, my dad died when I was eight, and uh, that's a, a lifetime journey to fully understand all that that does. Interestingly, two years later, when I was 10, my mom remarried and married my dad's younger brother. It's kind of like a biblical thing, and it really messes everybody up, right? And, uh, and then we had our own journey through all of that. But my, both my father and my stepdad were wonderful Christians, and I'm thankful for their influence in my life. A lot of churches on Father's Day kind of do the, do the guy thing. Uh, you know, it's, it's like the macho day, lots of testosterone in the house. So I thought we'd do our slight version of that. And I want to give you the guy test. Um, I don't know if you know Dave Barry, uh, c- comic writer, great stuff, very funny. He has the guy test. Are you a real guy? Uh, and you'll know it by the, your answer to these questions. Number one, in your opinion, what is the ideal pet? A cat? A dog? Or a dog that eats cats. Okay. Ooh, I know. Um, When is it okay to hug another man? A, if he's your father and at least one of you has a fatal disease. Uh, B, if you're performing the Heimlich maneuver, but you yell out, I'm saving his life. Just so nobody gets confused. Or C, if you're a professional baseball player and a teammate hits the home run to win the World Series and you hug him, provided that you also pound him enough to hurt him physically. Then it's okay. Um, And number three, the big one, on a weekday morning, your wife wakes up feeling ill and asks you to get your three children ready for school. And your answer is, A, do they need to eat anything? Uh, B, they're in school already? And C, we have three? And we all know the answer is always C. C is the appropriate answer. Well, thinking about, you know, all the issues that surround dads, I want to talk about the perfect father, our father in heaven. The the father who cares about us more than we can even fully understand. You know, it's interesting. God could have chosen any number of titles, and he has. You read through your scriptures, and you'll find many, many titles used to describe God, but he chose among them to be called Father. Um, Not a force, you know, Luke, I am your father, you know, not, not that. He is not the force, he's not the force who's with us, he's the Father who's with us. And a classic text that draws that out and helps us to fully understand what that means is from Ephesians chapter 3. There's a Bible in front of you in the pew, or maybe you brought yours. 
We'll put the verses up on the big screen here. And it divides out into three sections, Ephesians 3, 14, and we'll go through the end of chapter 3. The first thing is that we have a powerful and generous Father. And Paul writes this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with what? Okay, let's do that again. He may strengthen you with through his spirit in your inner being so Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So the power of God can live in us. And the prayer is that his power will live in us. And we're going to talk about reasons we need power. Um, Has anybody ever struggled with anything that felt bigger than you? A relationship that you just couldn't seem to fix? uh, An inner habit or attitude you just couldn't seem to change? Most people I know who really aren't that excited about Christianity, they think they've got the power to fix it themselves. And probably most of us have felt that at one time or another too. And what I learned is that sooner or later, stuff happens that we can't fix. That I'm not smart enough and strong enough to fix, but I have someone bigger than me, wiser than me, better than me, who has more power than I have. And by his power, I can address those things that normally by myself I can't change. So I need God's power, okay? Secondly, I need the love of God. I have an incredibly loving Father. This is continuing from the last section. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in what? Let's do that again. Rooted and established in? May have, together with all God's people, to grasp how and, and, and deep is the love of Christ. That's a lot, isn't it? I mean, that, he's, he's getting excited, I can tell, right? He wants us to grasp the scope of God's love. Um, I've met a few people that are hard to love. Nobody here. Well, anyway. Uh, it's, it isn't always easy to love, is it? Sometimes we're not easy to love. And I remember as a young adult, trying to figure out my faith. And I had a wiser, older uh, Christian say to me, you know, when you come up into a relationship that just feels like you can't fix it and you're not getting along and you can't get past it, here's the deal. God loves that person you don't. He loves them. He loves them with a perfect, unending, what is it? wide, long, high, and deep love. He loves them with that love. So here's the deal. You need to ask God to love them through you. To give you his love for them, to see them with new eyes, to relate to them in new ways. And God can do it. So I need to be filled with the love of Christ so I can share the love of Christ, the loving Father. And then the next passage, now to him was able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power there's the power again that is at work within us 
To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. And would you read the next phrase out loud? Throughout all generations. Keep going. Forever and ever. Amen. How many generations? All generations. So that means that the same power and love of God that was alive back in the Old Testament or in the New Testament or in the person of Jesus or in the early church or in the founders of this church in the late 1800s. I mean, you can just go generation, generation, generation. God is unchanging. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Forever. So, let's think about our perfect Father and how we can receive the power and the love and the consistent generation-to-generation influence that only He can give. God's power. God's power is, according to this text, uh, that we would be strengthened with the power, with power, by God's Spirit in our inner being so that Christ can dwell in our hearts by faith. The, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available to us. That same power was revealed over and over throughout the Bible. I know God has power because I've read the book. And I read the Older Testament and I read those amazing stories of how you know, God's power showed up exactly when his children needed him. I don't think we appreciate sometimes the, the background and the scope of those stories. Like, like the children of Israel escaping from Egypt. I mean, think about it. Egypt in the ancient Middle East was the most modern, civilized culture in the world. Had the largest, best trained, best armed military force in the world. Pharaoh and his armies were unbeatable and they were fast closing on the children of Israel who had virtually no military uh, training, no weapons. They were defenseless and they're trapped between Pharaoh's army and the Red Sea. Have you ever heard of being between a rock and a hard place? <laughs> well, they were between the army and a wet place, right? And it didn't look good. So normally, humanly speaking, what was going to happen? Uh, they, were, they were about to be annihilated until God showed up, right? And the power of God changed everything. The power of God changed everything. Anybody heard of uh, David and the big guy? Who, you know, what was his name? Goliath. He was like, I don't know, nine feet something or other tall. And, uh, and, and David was this young kid. And so uh, he goes out and challenges him, right? Goliath has all the armor and all the military experience and David has a sling. And so who should have won? I mean, humanly speaking, who should have won? But the power of God showed up and who won? <laughs> right? The kid won. Right? The kid won. I love that story. You need to read it again. Because one of the coolest things about David uh, is that he went around all day carrying Goliath's head. This is a guy moment, okay? He's got the head of Goliath by the hair, and he carries him around all day. And he's like, yeah, all right? Look who's winning now, you know? And it's like the power of God, and he gives God all the credit. He gives God all the credit. I, I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't good enough, strong enough. 
savvy enough, good enough with a sling. It wasn't about that. It was about God. About God, the power of God. Now that same power of God we see in the New Testament, right? We see it unleashed in the person of Jesus in a whole new way. Now it's not a military conflict. Now it's a conflict between good and evil. And now Jesus does amazing, powerful acts, healing people who have had a lifetime of illness and disease, raising someone from the dead, and then ultimately rising himself from the grave. Wow. There's never been power like that power. But guess what? God's power didn't end in the pages of the Bible. It continues through the history of his people. He's been answering prayer and changing lives. And it didn't stop somewhere back there, you know. I know people who were in a marriage that was done. In a relationship that was over. And God did a miracle. Unfortunately, I know some whose relationship didn't make it. And yet, they found the grace and the healing and the goodness of God, the power of God to put their lives back together. I know people who had addictions and devastation personally. They had no power to handle or overcome themselves and the power of God was at work in them and they got through it and they got over it and past it and above it and beyond it by the power of God and you know some of those too don't you I mean the power of God is alive and well and in the house and the prayer that I have is the same prayer that the apostle Paul had was that the power of God the father would be alive in us today. And then there, then there's that love thing. I mean, we spent six, seven weeks looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, describing the way love is. And I love that chapter because when you get really honest about it, you realize just how hard love is. It isn't easy to love. We think it, we, we talk like it is, but there's some pretty weird people you know, someone, I love the book, Everyone's Normal Till You Get to Know Them. You know, and then, and then we, just, we just do things differently. We kind of see things differently. We rub one another the wrong way. And then what? And then what? Um, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, the Scripture says. The, the love of God that is, what was it, wide and long, and what? And, anybody ever heard that old song? Uh, how does it go? Deep and wide. And that's a cool song, but that's not the one. <laughs> but I like that one. Oh yeah, so, so wide. No, so high. You can't get over it. So low. You can't get so wide. You can't get around it. And then it goes like, oh, rock of my soul or some weird thing. I don't know. Oh, rock of my soul. Or uh, you, you got to go in by the door. Anybody ever heard that one? You must. Nancy knows it better than I do. Okay, so let's do it again. So high, you can't get over it. Let's do that. So high, you can't get over it. So low, you can't get under it. So wide, you can't get around it. 
You must go in by the door. That's Let's try that. You must go in by the door. Oh, rock of my soul. <laughs> I mean, they've been writing songs about it for years, right? Why? Because that's amazing. God's love is wide and deep and high and long. It is long enough to help you love somebody you don't naturally love. To work out your marriage, to get through your family struggles, to get along with your teenager or your teenage friends or your parents or the boss who's a jerk or the employee who's not really cutting it and to figure out how to make those relationships work with God's help or better yet to love somebody who speaks a different language or speaks English with an accent and doesn't speak it well or who is not the same color skin as you are and who annoys you who you grew up with issues with God can change you God can give you his love. God can, you know, God, you have never met another person that Jesus didn't die for. No matter what they look like. The Bible says man looks on the outside, but God looks on the the heart. God looks on the heart. So my prayer is, God, help me to see people not on the outside but instead to see the heart, to see who they are and to see who they can become by your grace. And the love of God is shed abroad in my heart and I can learn to love people that I may not naturally like. That God builds that bridge of love between us as we work to get along and we offer forgiveness and we do what 1 Corinthians 13 says, which is love keeps no record of wrongs. It's time to burn your list. It's time to let it go. You know, that that everything they ever said you didn't like or every time they didn't treat you just the way you wanted to be treated, love keeps no record of wrong. Love is not easily offended. Love isn't touchy. Love love doesn't sort of have a chip on its shoulder. And, And left to ourselves, we do. But changed by God, we don't. And so, the prayer that Paul prayed for his friends at Ephesus, I pray for all of us. May the high and wide and deep and long love of Christ captivate us. And then he says, it doesn't end. It doesn't doesn't stop with one generation. He says that it is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us so that he gets the glory. (laughs) I love that. It's a God thing. He gets the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. When I came to Davison Free Methodist Church, uh, one of the coolest things that I was told about us is that, you know, we're a, at least a four-generation church. You know, we have a, a, a sizable number of older folks. And then we have some middle adults, then we have young families, and then we have teenagers and kids, and they all matter. And making that all work is kind of a, a bigger challenge than it sounds. There are a lot of churches that can't seem to figure out how to keep that whole age span, those all those generations together, And I believe by God's grace, he's helping us to do it. And he's going to keep helping us to do it. 
so that the children in our church are precious to us, aren't they? Aren't they? I was talking to Susan Mulholland this past week about the summer kids program, how there's going to be a little change in the schedule. And we're planning a Sunday at the end of August um, to kind of kick us off into the fall. It's going to be all about the kids and bring them all in. And, and I said, well, it's not just like a program thing. It's a, it's a values thing. It's a Davison Free Methodist Nation thing because kids matter to us and we want them to know Jesus, don't we? Have I mentioned my grandkids? All right, so so we're visiting the grandkids, and they range in age from 11 to uh, uh, 2, almost 2, somewhere in there. <laughs> and there's five of them, right? And two different families, and I Father's Day, we're there, we were there, yes, Friday. Those, life is crazy these days. We were there, and we watch as the two dads, you know, play with the kids and have fun with the kids and then when things are going rough, pray with the kids and teach Christian songs to the kids. And they're passing their faith generation to generation. Our daughter posted on Facebook yesterday that uh, our son-in-law, Jared, was teaching uh, four-year-old Caden to pray A-C-T-S pattern when he prayed adoration and confession, thanksgiving and supplication. And she was just like thrilled because faith goes generation to generation to generation. And we're here to help it. And then there's the youth of our church. And we're, we're, we're not only sad to see Matt and Hannah go on a personal level, but our, our heart goes out to our teenagers. And we want them to feel valued here in our church, don't we? And we do love them. And we do want them to feel that they belong and that we care and that the faith we have can be alive for them. You know, one of the scariest things is to be a, a teenager from a Christian home and, and sort of believe and own it and then go through the struggles of, of adolescence and keep the faith and build your own faith. How cool is that? How cool is that? And we want that. We long for that. And guess what? The God who has all power and infinite love wants the faith of our church to go from generation to generation to generation to all generations. So there's a team of leaders and adults who are going to hang with our kids and work with them and pray with them and love them in Jesus' name on our behalf and until the Lord brings the right next person into that ministry leadership position, but we don't love them any less, right? We don't love them any less. And so here we are, Davison Free Methodist Church, full of people being changed by the grace of God who need a heavenly Father. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, you can call him Abba. Abba is the Aramaic name similar to our word daddy or dada. You know, when little ones are first learning to talk, they have a, a, like an infant name for mommy, mama, right? And the first words they say for daddy, dada. Uh, has there ever been any competition in your family as to which they say first? Yeah, is it going to be mama or is it going to be dada, right? Say mama. <laughs> no, say dada. And that's the, so in Aramaic, it's 
Abba, that's daddy, and Ima, that's mommy. And Jesus said to his followers, when you pray, you get to call God Abba. Now, if you were a good Jewish uh, God-fearing person, that was scandalous. I mean, you didn't even say the name of God, right? Yahweh was, was a name that was seldom said out loud out of respect for the awesomeness of God. And Jesus says, not only can you call him Jehovah God, you can call him Daddy. And so my heart today reaches out to everyone here and says, you have a father and he knows your name. And he has incredible power no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through. His power is enough for you. And it is the power of God to salvation, to forgive your sins and change your life, first of all. And then to deal with whatever comes your way. And your daddy, God, your father, loves you with an everlasting love. I was 10 years old when my mom remarried and My stepdad and I didn't really hit it off at first. He was very strong-willed and opinionated. And I was too. And uh, there was the the clash of the teal house. And um, at night, when I would go to bed, uh, I remembered very distinctly, I'd go in and kind of hug my mom and tell her I loved her and and then just kind of look at him. (laughs) You know, yeah. I didn't call him, I didn't call him anything, right? I didn't call him dad, I didn't call him anything. And, and, uh, but he loved me. And I still remember the night that without thinking, I hugged my mom, told her I loved her, and turned to him and hugged him and told him I love him and I'm halfway down the hall to my room and I'm going, <laughs> I just said that, I just did that. I called him dad. Where did that come from? Well, it came because I couldn't not, right? Because he loved me, so I loved him back. Papa God loves you the same way. And some of us need to love him back. So we do what we can day after day. We find an African-American church in Burton that's part of our fellowship, and we go help them. And every third Saturday of the month, a team of people give food out the back door of our gymnasium to families that don't have enough to eat. And I got this letter, and I wanted to share it before we close. Pastor Teal, I wanted to say thank you to you and the congregation for the generosity they expect toward, expressed toward the students at Davison Alternative Education. I was absolutely thrilled to receive the summer bags for our students, and we did that as part of Serve Our City two weeks ago. It was with great joy that the bags were delivered to the students last Friday, that would be a couple weeks ago now, Christmas had come early for these kids, seemingly, as they excitedly explored the contents of their bags. There was a little bit of snack exchange going on, but all the kids left school that day with a big smile. 
thanks to your thoughtful congregation. Thank you so much for thinking of them. Sincerely, Chris Wilson, Dean of Students, Davison Alternative Education. Let's pray. Abba, we love you because you first loved us. And we sit here today needing your power. Some of us face hardship of various kinds, financial, physical, mental, relational. There's stuff that's bigger than us, but it's not bigger than you. And so, Father, would you help us? And we live in a world full of complicated relationships. Marriages and families and friendships. Sometimes they go sideways. And we're not all that. We, we, don't, we cannot fix it. No matter how hard we try. And we need your love to, sh- to, sh- to be showered into our hearts and to spill out on somebody else. To forgive again and again and again. And so God, would you love through us And especially as we think today about the racial discord in our nation and all of the struggles that exist among people. Heal us. Help us. Make us part of the solution. And then God, may it pass from generation to generation to generation. I know sometimes it's hard to see our music change. And Part of that is because we want to reach another generation. Sometimes the programs in our churches change. Lord, we we need wisdom to help us to do it right, whether it's with our children or middle middle school years or teen years, that, that, that in the ways that we care for these precious young ones that we pass on our faith. We pray for those who are older among us. Thank you that we have many generations represented in our church. Help none of us to feel devalued or left out. And as we sing in a minute and go out into our world, our prayer is that what happens here on Sunday will work out there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I pray for anyone in the house today that has never given you their heart that today would be the day. God, I need you. I open my heart and my life to you. Forgive me. Come and live in me. God, I believe you hear and answer that prayer and you change that life right now. And we thank you And we love you back. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing.